Welcome to the Mac DevOps YVR podcast. This podcast is about the Mac DevOps YVR conference in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. We interview guests and discuss topics around managing Macs using open source software products inspired by DevOps. Our goal is to encourage developers and IT to work together to solve problems for our community. For more information, see our website, mdoyvr.com. This is the Mac DevOps podcast. Welcome to the Mac DevOps Podcast. JD here. This week, we are sharing another book club session recorded in August. I am joined by Matt, Piero, and David to discuss DevOps for Dummies by Emily Freeman. If you have just started the book or have been reading along, all are welcome to join the discussion. Please join us Wednesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Mac DevOps Discord. Done with chapter four, we did the persuasion. This week is chapter five, measuring chapter your organ. Measuring your organization. But yeah, I think in your enthusiasm to name chapter four for last week, we kind of skipped over uh, a couple other chapters. So I will, uh, uh, I think we should go back to chapter two next week uh, and properly uh, actually do that one. Because uh, I think that one was the, uh, after the intro to DevOps, that one was the building DevOps. Um, yeah, I mean, putting putting your organization together and... And, yeah, uh, I think that one is a, a critical one we should jump back to. Um, we, we could do that this week. Not this week. I just read Folks. chapter five. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have to read the chapter for the test. Oh, you're you're like most of the profs that I had in college. Don't jump ahead. I haven't read that. Well, the <laughs> rule of any teaching is to be one step ahead, not three. Not three. Yeah, I hate, my profs hated me when I was like, so, you know, I know we're on chapter four right now, but in chapter 11, it says this, this, and this that contradicts all of us. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shh, shh. No, we're not going to talk about that. I even read chapter five twice. You know, I was like, <laughs> I took notes once. <laughs> like, I mean, all that mention of KPIs was giving me kernel panics. <laughs> it was so funny that we talked about that yesterday, man. I have to say. Yeah, David uh, came by my house for a DevOps shirt, uh, socially distant coffee, and then I gave him a copy of the DevOps uh, book and told him to join the club. And he was telling me all about his success in his. Uh, his former uh, job where he was measuring uh, key performance indicators and I was chastising him greatly for using such a you know nasty management term and uh, measurement of performance. And then I start reading chapter five and it's like KPIs. I'm like, oh, girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I like, it David, I hate you. <laughs> so so right what does socially distant one? coffee look like? Do you just throw it at him or? <laughs> it's kind of... It's well, kind I'm of vicious. It's it's basically we don't hold hands like we used to. Oh, exactly. Yeah. You don't share the same cup of coffee. The exactly. Yeah. Uh, as is customary amongst us. Yes. I'm sorry, David. We couldn't cuddle this time, but uh, oh, I mean, I love. Yeah. I've yeah, known David for years, yeah. and and uh, David's a great, great dude. Um, but yeah. <laughs> coffee, coffee outside of my house on the step. You know, <laughs> I threw him his T-shirt um, <laughs> and then said, "Get the hell off my property!" <laughs> yeah, after it's you mentioned that or weed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kids, get off my lawn. Uh, okay, well, welcome to the book club. Uh, we had uh, talked about chapter four. Um, I already forgotten chapter four, but chapter five is <laughs> measuring your organization. 
Um, but I thought just before we talked about chapter five, uh, we should just go back to the beginning of what is DevOps and chapter one, uh, since I just read that it's really fresh in my mind. Um, but I just thought we need to, we need to remember some of the basic principles, uh, about this book, uh, this awesome, excellent book by Emily Freeman. Um, and she, you know, goes over it very quickly in chapter one and basically the DevOps is, is, a uh, the DevOps always use the, the article, um, it's a philosophy that prioritizes people over process and tooling. So she talks about people, process, and technology. That's like her three things. Mm -hmm. um, and we just want to remember that people are the most important part of this whole thing. So we can't lose sight of that. Um, and what I really like about this book, you know, because it's non-technical, at least in the beginning, because I'm super not technical, um, but DevOps, is it's a culture. It's a cultural thing. It's a cultural revolution. And she says it builds a culture of trust. It's a collaborative uh process um and it's the continuous improvement of our processes but it's a continuous improvement of ourselves and um i think that's important her emphasis on the culture i think is really important to remember about how we have to look at it holistically and we have to look at everybody in the process um the dev the developers the testers operation security infrastructure engineers everybody um i like how she says that no one is above consideration no one is ranked more important than the others and the whole entire team is the critical critical unit. Um, so I think that's one of the things that we liked about DevOps is that it brings different groups together, right? Um, uh, traditionally, IT is siloed, and we have all these different compartments and groups. So um, we want to remember that we have common goals. And um, that is our, our, um, our aim is to improve the entire process and the entire culture for everyone so that uh, we're focusing on people, uh, our uh, company culture that is respectful. Um, and then, of course, she mentions that we should observe our process, we should collect data, and we should use some persuasion to help uh, adopt, and then we should make small incremental changes in our process and our methods so that we can have faster delivery, improve functionality, we can be fearless innovators. Um, but I think the, 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 the last part of that was that she says that we can, if we're doing continuous integration and we're doing these small little changes, we can have faster recovery from incidents and we can detect problems faster and recover from them. So those are some of the, um, just the basics of what is dev, DevOps that we're, and the problems that we're trying to solve with DevOps is that the responsibility being siloed, all these jobs in different little uh, individual buckets is what we're trying to avoid. And we're trying to work uh, with uh, shared goals. So we don't want, we want to get away from a place that security has different goals than IT versus developers versus operations and that we should all be working together and not in opposition. So that is your awesome summary by Matt X. What is DevOps? Well, and she summarizes that with the uh, the model of keeping calms, right? Culture, right. automation, lean, measurement, and sharing. Yeah. To sum all of that up. There's no H in calms for hug ops. Hug ops. <laughs> <laughs> the H is silent. The H is silent. Yeah, calms with an H. Um, it could be in Italian. Maybe. Could be. <laughs> Today's chapter is measuring your organization, talking about DevOps transformations. So has everyone uh, looked at the book or uh, who wants to start? Piero, you're always so full of good ideas. I'm always the one to start. Um, <laughs> I think it's, it's like you mentioned, the, um, anyone else wants to start first? No, you, you got this. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. So I think the... She used the same parallel that um, 
people, processes, and tools, right? And she she breaks down the chapter in how you quantify DevOps and like it, obviously she puts your team as the first priority. And I don't know how many here. Like I I am in a team, but I don't know Matt, Matt is a one man band. Um, I don't know about JD and the others here. But yeah, I think it's uh, it's hard. It's hard to how do you measure this stuff? Like the more <laughs> I read this book, the more it's like like this is probably the most abstract chapter for me because mm. it's like measurements are really hard, especially about these kind of things. How do you measure happiness? Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a big question. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, happiness in a team in, in the work environment. Uh, in a, yeah, you know. in the old days, it would be like whether you wanted to get up in the morning and go to work. Uh, and these days, it's whether you want to get up. Are you under your blankets and never wanting to leave, or staying up all night in a sort of rage? Rage bedtime. They call someone was saying on Twitter because they're just so upset at the world and just don't want to go to bed and start the next day. They're just like so angry. They're going to Netflix, you know, for hours or do something. Um, but so I think happiness is measured in do you like solving the problems that you like that you have in front of you, and do you like solving them with the tools that you have, perhaps, and with the group of people, the community, yeah, the or people you work with. I agree with that absolutely. But the, so here's here's a question for you. In in a team environment, the, like part of the happiness of the team, I think it's it's like how how well the team communicates, for example, right? Mm -hmm. How do you measure that, and how 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 do you know when a team is? Because uh, it's easy, it it it's uh, it's it's easy as a it's easy to see it as a um, lagging indicator. So once like you know the outcome of this amazing project, the team has has worked super well together. And the project came to life, I would say without a bump, but that's 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 the dream, right? But it, it came out and really like the team worked together, or the teams together worked together, and that's good. Once you once you look back and you're like, okay, great, that, that we 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 communicated well, or we could have done better. But how do you measure these things in due course to make correction? This is this is something that I like. I'm trying to wrap my head around a lot recently. What we used to do is post-mortems after any project. So, you know, you have your positive and negative columns, right? So, you know, you can sort of sort of measure, like, what went really well? What didn't go so well? How can we improve this the next time? And then you can sort of quantify it that way, I think. Yeah, and, that, and that's what I was saying about the... the the training indicator. So you, you only know what, what, what's, what went well or what went what could have gone better right. once it's done. Um, and one, one way it could be uh, one thing that I, I would like to explore a little bit more is like retrospectives, but not necessarily on a specific project, but more on like, so like this week we worked on something and how, the, how did it feel? It, like what, what is good working on? What is not good working on? How like, do we feel that we're communicating enough? We're not communicating enough. Do we feel we, we need more stuff? Uh, more time, less less work. I don't know, but it's really hard to put a finger on it, right? It's 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 not it's not like the number of tickets, sure, but even that, you, if if you go deep enough, it's like these are all hard to measure things. Yeah, definitely hard to measure, and, and without addressing that exactly, I mean, Emily had the example in the book about uh, in in exactly what David said was that when you have problems. 
do you handle criticism and take direction from strangers or your best friends or someone in between? So the rapport of the team, the, the team camaraderie or whatever, the communication level, if you get along and have some kind of, you know, mutual respect and understanding, then you'll take criticism and work well together. And I mean, while I might be a one man band and JD as well, we work with clients and, uh, and customers and those are our, those are our team members. And so you have to integrate with them and you can't always be their best friends and they don't always want to be your best friends, but you do have to work well together and they have to, we ha you have to respect each other and they have to be able to take criticism from you and you have to be able to take criticism from them and, and, and in order to grow and, 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 uh, and move on uh, and deal with problems. So I think that was one of her happiness uh, teamwork measurement systems was, can you, can, do you have that rapport to work together to deal with the problems? And I, I don't think it needs to focus on just disagreements or, or points of contention. Um, you know, one of the things that stems out of agile development is, is doing, they advocate for like a daily standup. I, I think that's a waste of time, but maybe a weekly standup where everybody, you know, who's on the team talks about what they're working on, uh, you know, what their successes are, what their failures are, and what might be blocking them from moving yeah, forward. Yeah, blockers for sure, yes. You know, and and I think that's important. Whether you do that daily, I, th I think sometimes that can be a, a waste of time, but but at least coming together, you know, once or twice a week to, to just briefly touch on, here's what I'm succeeding at, here's what I, I am lagging behind in, um, we're not quite, you know, succeeding at, and and these items, uh, you know, are blocking me. And I could use Matt's help to to do X, or I could use David's help to do Y. Um, you know, we'll help that along. It's not necessarily that we're, you know, we're having a problem. I'm I'm acknowledging a problem early so that maybe we can fend that off. Yeah, I think those are two different things, perhaps, JD, and I think both valuable. And I mean, especially when you have a lot of siloed teams, you need small meetings uh, regularly. I know I've asked for that uh, recently in, in one of my clients, just like, can we have separate separate teams meet together, you know, once a week, once a month and just go over blockers? Because filing yeah. tickets is, you know, maybe a, a way to measure things, but you're not really sure what you're measuring there. And it's a sure way to get something lost uh, sometimes. <laughs> you know? Totally. Yes. Agreed. Um, but back to measuring, yeah, we can spend all our time in Jira, like we were talking with, with Shauna uh, the other day, and she was like saying how they, you know, managing all the tickets in Jira and taking, uh, trying to get everyone to file tickets, and that certainly helps to keep track of when you have a lot of demand on things. But you have to manage that, and then how are you really going to measure that? I mean, how many times do you reset someone's password or VPN had problems? I mean, I'll, I'll let you, JD, uh, talk about that. You use ticket systems more than I do. Yeah, because I like to track things. <laughs> um, wow, you got more uh, free time. No, I didn't say I have more free time. Shauna's doing much more with it because it's a much larger organization. You know, I'm managing, uh, you know, a couple handfuls of of disparate clients who I'm trying to get them to send me tickets that way, partially as a measure. Um, partially as uh, a unified communication uh, method. You know, I, I, I think it's important, but it's not the only way uh, to express, you know, potential issues or, or um, things like that. But um, I, I do, you know, like I, I've said in the past, if I have somebody text message me, I generally will push that into a ticket for them 
mostly for my own accounting purposes, because part of what I'm billing on on a monthly basis is, you know, we answered 10 tickets for you um, this month. This is the value that we're providing. So that's part of that metric. Um, but also, you know, if I'm seeing multiple tickets for XYZ application not working, maybe there's something wrong with my monkey setup or, uh, you know, that and that may be coming from multiple organizations, not just the or multi in possibly in a larger company, multiple departments. Um, you know, that might be a heads up that, that there's something else going on. Right. Definitely monkey. It's always monkey. It's always my well, It's that or DNS. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, to start to restart our chapter five, uh, she says the idea is like to get a baseline, right? So the measure, the idea of measurement is not to find that ideal point where you succeeded or failed, but it's just to see what is your normal, uh, where are you starting from? And then you can track your progress and you can, she had suggested like you can do employee surveys, um, to survey your team perhaps, or in our case, maybe survey our clients or customers. Um, and then she wanted to talk about the two different kinds of surveys, quantitative versus qualitative. So, I mean, yeah, that's a a big thing we learned in school, right? The difference between, you know, quantitative and qualitative. So are we measuring numbers of tickets or are we measuring, uh, happiness buckets? You know, um, uh, that's the important thing. Uh, Well, and also, you know, looking at what is the team's autonomy to, to get things done or, you know, are you highly dependent on other people? Uh, you know, in order to get your job done, you know, that that can wear you down uh, and and burn you out, honestly. So, you know, how much autonomy do you have uh, is, I think, a, a large factor in, in the freedom to make decisions, possibly fail. Um, I mean, as a as consultants, I think we do this all the time and don't even think about it. But in large organizations that you may not have the freedom to basically think for yourself. No, and sometimes you're just, you know, you're leading the charge on a shadow IT organization or you're constantly looking for workarounds if you can't be part of an official process. And if an official process is weeks, months, years (laughs) to make change and your customers or clients or team members want something done now, like an hour today, tomorrow, you know, um, (laughs) it seems sometimes futile and and, uh, uh, yeah, like uh, soul deadening if you have to file a ticket and it goes nowhere or you, you you send something to a manager to send something to another manager to send something to a director to you know and and nobody seems to be on the same page or team sometimes and that that's part of the quantifying of bottlenecks you know that may exist in in your processes and 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 you know basically enumerating those and 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 bringing them into light um, and i think that's a lot of what this is talking about and the agile process is talking about is is you know pulling out of the shadows some of the the issues that that have been lingering and you know getting getting them disinfected with a little bit of light and and seeing if we can't resolve them i think one of the things there too is that there needs to be um an escalation process that often isn't in place so if say a ticket gets filed and it's you know collecting dust um, you know, and you've reached back out on that ticket. Hey, we're, what's happening with this? There needs to be some kind of escalation process where you should be able to reach out to a higher level and say, hey, you know, I filed this ticket about this, which is really important. Need to get this done right away, but I had no traction on it yet. Right? Yeah. What's missing a lot in interdepartmental fiefdoms and interdepartmental IT groups is uh, a service level agreement. You know, yeah, you yeah. can file a ticket and it'll be measured and monitored and ignored or forgotten or dealt with or closed. 
but there's no agreement on you know you really having that uptime on your your servers or you know the firewall working or not working or hey maybe it was working a year ago and then a month ago it changes and there's no agreement that you know um <laughs> you know it's like so uh, this 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 service level agreement idea or this promise of, of different teams working together you know it's just like is the team hiding behind tickets or are they using them to help measure and find those bottlenecks right and i think the escalation idea is is where sometimes you need the help of a manager or somebody that's going to push a process through because maybe you lack political you know weight to push something yeah. through or to convince yeah. another team that hey there's people actually doing stuff and they need to do those things and they can't do them because blocking 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 um can someone unblock and you know make that their priority right um the bigger the organization gets, I mean, I, I think David, you've had a lot of experience that, with that in the last couple of years at your org, right? Um, yeah, totally. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and that's why I said that it's, and they do have that implementation in place, so that you know, if you're not getting any traction on something, you can reach out to a higher level and say, hey, um, you know, we've had this uh, on the board for a while now, and uh, we don't seem to be getting a lot of traction on it. And then usually that will, you know, escalate the the process. Hopefully. Yeah. I recently saw a manager uh, start a Kanban board system and 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 proclaim it being the most awesome and exciting thing. And I thought it was awesome and exciting, but you know, when people rediscover an old idea, it's it's still a good idea. And I thought it was a it was great to have somebody finally seeing an overarching, you know, Kanban sort of visual to do list of what's going on with everybody, and uh, as opposed to it being like a manager intruding on people's departments and uh, autonomy. I thought it was a good way of actually getting a good idea a survey of the land of what everyone's doing and what's blocking or what's priority priorities for different teams um um so yeah when you said the where is that on the board i mean i was i'm imagining do you have a real whiteboard or are you using kanban or uh, how are you visualizing your blockers and problems david or uh we don't use kanban but uh it would it, it's more of a uh virtual idea, if you will. <laughs> so <laughs> there actually isn't a board for that uh, that they use anyway. So it actually does go up through the departments, if that makes sense. So like if you've got uh, a manager or a senior manager in that uh, particular department, you can reach out to them if you've reached out to that department directly already and you're not seeing any traction, then you know you would escalate to that, you know, a, a higher manager and just say, hey, you know, just wondering if, uh, you know, once you've sort of exhausted all your... Uh, um, conversation with that department <laughs> and you're it's, still not seeing any any uh, rubber on the road yet. Yeah, I mean, I've sometimes sent a clean email to certain people with just like stating a problem and an issue and then getting my the feedback I get is I want to see the entire email chain. And so some people, the currency in the org is the entire email thread of everybody who's responded and ignored something and they want to see everything that was said to everybody. And Oh my goodness, yeah. Yeah, so, and, uh, and sometimes I get these emails and I'd look through like 15, 20 people responding to something and um it, it kind of goes on my uh theory of meetings if there's 12 people at the meeting it's going to take 12 months to resolve a problem or oh. maybe nothing will happen so you know the balance between those daily stand-ups or meetings with so many people that you're the ideas you're trying to get the buy-in of the entire group but you get a disorganization of not knowing who's going to do what or uh, have anything actually get done so um yeah how do you, how do you have effective meetings so sometimes, you know, finding the, the two principal operators and, and acting as the moderator uh, between those two, you know, because, again, sometimes we're dealing with fiefdoms um, and, and basically being the, the peacemaker and bringing two people 
mm-hmm. of, of different minds together and saying, this isn't really a meeting. I, it's just, we, let me, I want to talk through this idea and see if we can't, you know, have them accidentally, you know, stumble upon a resolution that, that right. is their idea. Right. Cause that's, that's so much of what this is, is ego. <laughs> the soft the sell, right? Yeah. Yeah, balancing the the, com- the conflicting ideas of getting a, a weekly, maybe perhaps you know, a meeting of the group just to to find out what what's happening versus you know that average meeting cost. Emily was talking about in the book about you know if you got meetings every day and five meetings every day and there's so many people in the meetings, then maybe you can quickly calculate a rough cost of how how much that's costing the organization just for people to be sitting in meetings and not doing anything. And yeah, <laughs> where's where's the balance? Also, I think like the um, the like the organization is not paying you for a meeting, right? They haven't hired you to sit on a chair and and chat, yeah. As much as you're chatting about the the org problems, and there's this thing that I I uh, I, I work in a small team, so we don't have too many meetings, right? But um, we tried stand ups, and stand ups didn't really work. We try we we currently have a debrief which is okay as a checkpoint. And we try to reduce the number of meetings that we have with other functions. So for example, we used to have a bi-week, whatever, every fortnight we we met with the security team and to sync up on issues and outstanding stuff and projects that we work on together. But the reality is like we didn't really need it. And we, we felt that we could have that hour of time back. And instead we moved to a monthly thing. And I think that the key is keeping evolving and trying new things and seeing what sticks. I've seen other teams that have daily stand-ups and they're great and they they think it's the best thing in the world. I've seen teams not doing any stand-up. I've seen teams doing one stand-up in the middle of the week just to check in if there's any blockers or something. So I think it's, uh, it's hard to strike a balance for different organizations and and also, like, it's it's hard to stay agile. Like, uh, I mean, it can definitely be done because, like, Spotify is the poster child for agile at scale, right? But also, Spotify has a very, very particular culture, and they they grew it and groomed it very much from from the beginning for it to be that way. So it's it's interesting to like it. It, and the hard thing is like people want stability and rep- things repeatable, right? They want to know that on Monday you have your stand up and on Tuesday you have these other things and you can't shake things up too much because people don't like change very much. So it, it, it's complicated, I think. It's a, it's a complicated thing. Well, let me <laughs> tell you about a pandemic. Oh wait. yeah! <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah. You throw that one in. CEO, CIO, or COVID nineteen? Which is the correct answer for agent of change? <laughs> you know, one of the things we've made a policy of is no direct messages. Um, all of our conversations, while mostly chat or you know digital, uh, is out in the open, right? It may be assigned to a channel, but but it's out in the open for others, uh, and it, it's it's changed the the how how folks work because other people can hop in with ideas and or like oh no i have the solution to that um whereas before it was siloed away in a in a direct message and and easily buried and hidden so that was yeah 
that that's that's a huge change uh for for that organization and and in that idea of of being agile yeah i think that's a great idea because i mean that's one of the reasons i set up that slack team for my one of my clients because it just i didn't want to get a million text messages from everybody or emails about the same problem so i was like asking the slack in the appropriate channel and then we'll work on it together and see the solutions together and one of the things you know that the meeting even like i was trying to convince this client and their team that even just a quick less than a half an hour 15 minute meeting is great just for a quick up of what's happening what what's blocking because i hate seeing people suffer in silence like i pride myself as being one of those problem solvers that's our, our job is to help people get their job done and solve their problems so let, watching them suffer in silence or they're you know hours away trying to solve a problem and then text messaging you a, a lot of you know uh questions you're just like hey how about a quick zoom or a quick chat or a quick call and we can work on this problem together you know and sometimes that can be tough to convince people because they want to just keep working doing something 47 times and i mean we've all been guilty of it ourselves troubleshooting a problem doing the same thing over and over and then finally we go maybe i should tweet maybe i should reach out to the mac admins community maybe i should reach out to my team or a colleague or someone i trust or 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 maybe jd or i don't i just google anything <laughs> you ask me the top <laughs> result well you know it gives me great comfort <laughs> To hear you typing on the keyboard. Yeah. Actually, you know, I, I joke about that, but I I uh, contracted with an organization where, and this was back, this is how old this was. So we were still using uh, XMPP uh, for inter office communication. And I literally had a bot that if somebody asked me a question, so it basically looked for a question mark at the end of the sentence, it would do a Google search and give them the I'm feeling lucky result and would respond automatically saying, I'm not sure, but you might try this. 90, 95% of the, the questions were answered with that. So I need a Slack bot that does a let me Google that for you <laughs> response. <laughs> you know? it's, like, it's just like, oh, wait a second. But yeah, I mean, I've seen people Google uh, terrible results and download terrible things. So it's not always well, the right answer. Too. Wow. I mean, I, I do get paid sometimes to stand behind clients and Google the problem they're saying out loud to me. I'm mean, going to say that more clearly. What is this? Stuff? And then and sometimes that helps. But yeah, our our, our worldly experience and years of, of helpfulness are also tools in our toolbox. But um, taking it back to the measuring your organization, um, I mean, we're not probably software developers that shipping apps, but how can we look at this lens from the Mac admins perspective where we're deploying endpoints, computers, we're deploying software, we're de deploying builds. Um, I think about monkey and auto package and um, what are the kinds of things that we need to measure? Like certainly when I'm like, I, I rebuilt or uh, upgraded our XN uh, the other day and, you know, talking about storage, you have to think about what if it fails, you know, during this upgrade process, which I've seen fail. So, you know, it took me a long time to do this one thing because I had multiple, you know, uh, ways of coming back from it, time machine cloning, you know, and taking things step by step. So, I mean, it's the same thing with a build or a deployment, you know, you're doing something and you think, okay, how easy is it going to be for me to go back or roll back or fix? So some of the things I think we can measure are perhaps how long does it take to deploy a new version of Google Chrome or how long does it take to build a new machine, whether it's from DEP or from, you know, two canoes, MDS restoring from like uh, recovery mode or how, how long does it take this to do things? And then how long does it take to undo them or redo them if there's a problem? I think that they're, they're all good. They all, they all apply to us as in the Mac, Mac admins uh, sense of things uh, in the Mac admins role. But, um, there are things that I, I've, I've asked myself, like, so, like, how do you hit a rollout button if you screw up a monkey deployment? 
or like how how do you like how do you build that fallback mechanism that you, you you're like one one pull request away to removing your changes from what you've done and like Matt, Matt, you always joke about testing in production, but the mm-hmm. truth is that it's very hard for us to test under real, like, we can do as much testing as we like, and we can, like, find all those little things that will cause issues maybe in a DEP deployment or, like, enrolling uh, a machine or all that stuff, we can catch it. But the reality is you'll never know how your fleet will work once you push the new macOS upgrade, right? And you have to like you you can sh- sure you can you can shard your fleet. You can you can take steps to minimize that risk. But the reality is that you're n- you're never going to be able to roll back unless like you take a very like a very strong action. Like if you if you screw up 10 computers out of 100, then you have to like rebuild those computers and those people will have it's very difficult to roll back a Mac OS version. Uh, Apple's not made that easy, not yet anyway. We can't just undo the snapshot and go back to the old snapshot. Maybe in Big Sur, that'll be a more of a thing. I mean, for my XN, you know, I took basically multiple clones and used Time Machine. And also, in t- case of XN, kept configurations aside from every change. So I could roll back to any point. Um, but yeah, you're talking about endpoints, the same thing. You apply this 10, 15, 6, and now you're kernel panicking your fleet. Which is a very yeah. relevant current example, uh, and yeah. I I waited two years to upgrade my XN server from ten thirteen to through ten fourteen on one day to ten fifteen, and then at the end of a long day of many many hours, okay, job's done, everything's working. Ten fifteen six, look at my phone. Oh, what's all this about kernel panicking? Everything. Oh my goodness! Like you know, it's like. <laughs> So then you think, okay, what's my rollback procedure? Well, I could go to Time Machine, or I can go back to my clone, or I can just see if this is going to be a real problem. And um. <laughs> so yeah, that's 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 what I think, and 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 the rest, I, I I think that a lot of our work can be measured in terms of like how many things we like tickets, how many I don't know, and anything. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed like there's a lot of struggle with is actually tracking everything because it's really easy to say, well, uh, this person has asked me to reset their password and it only takes me three minutes because I use uh, GAM common line or whatever. It's, it takes me 20, like three minutes. I'll send them the password. They'll be fine, right? You haven't tracked that thing, but that thing has interrupted you. And now you've got context switching back to mm-hmm. what you were doing and you need to pick up all the context again, and then somebody else comes back, and that, that they this time a problem accessing a channel on, on Slack, and all these small things they add up, and they're never tracked. And this is like this is one of those things that I've noticed that it, it's hard to say. Well, we're drowning in like in work in process. Like we've got so much operational stuff, and when somebody tells you, okay, well, that what is actually what is it that you're doing and you, you can't tell because you don't know yeah i totally agree with that 100 percent. i mean I've, I've run into that a lot where you know this you're working on project sort of level stuff where you're you know doing a new uh, os uh, update or something but yeah you still have these you know the password change or um my uh, ad login is not working or what have you so yeah that's 100 percent. yes 
I try and track in a very non-automated way in in my macOS calendar everything I did every day. Um, and if I don't, I look back and I go, oh, what was I doing yesterday? And I draw a complete blank. You know, it's like, well, that's, yeah, totally. I'm like, the day was really busy and I was doing all these things and these people. And I'm like, oh, was it an email? Did someone email me? Oh, no, maybe it wasn't Slack. Or maybe someone texted me. Like, what did people ask me to do? Like, I'm, I'm you know, I'm sometimes chasing fires or sometimes fires chase me. I don't know. But the whole day goes by. And if I don't write it down that day, I'm like, I swear I was doing something. I know I wasn't watching YouTube videos, like what was I doing? Like, well, like, I think one of the things that's kind of hard though, is just, you know, tracking, having the time to sometimes get those notes put in, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you know, sometimes it might be behind the eight ball, you're trying to get something done. And then you've also got all these side tasks that you're trying to get done. So, you know, sitting down and actually tracking that stuff is definitely hugely important, but sometimes it's just like, is there enough time in the day to get all that stuff in there? Right. And I guess you just have to make sure that you make that time. Yeah. Uh, I, I, mean, I think you also need to to look at how you're approaching things. If you're spending all day putting out fires, you know, you're not actually getting anything done. You're just chasing your tail. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and, it's, it, and it's, you know, a matter of uh, prioritizing things. Just because a user's reached out to you and says, I can't do X, does that mean you have to drop everything right at that moment and say, I'm going to help you? Or is that something that you can say, I'm working, you know, I've blocked this time to work on X project. I will get to you at two o'clock. And, and that way you can group issues together and deal with them all in one fell swoop. I mean, this is something I do at a consulting level of, I encourage my clients to, to, you know, send me their issues. And when I'm on site, not that that's happened in the last five months, but, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, generally when, when it's your time, I will address all of those issues. And, and the way I sell that is it's a more efficient use of my time. I'm billing you by the hour for that or not or whatever, but it, it's more efficient use of my time. We have a checklist of things that we need to get done for you. Um, and, and that's a way to, to account for that. Um, so I think some of that onus is on us to, to say, I, I hear you, but I'm not going to deal with this right now. I'm going to bank this, uh, to a later time, uh, when I can deal with it in a better math manner. Does that make I sense? encourage, I encourage all my users to have issues between nine and 11 AM because the rest of the day is me time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yes. I wish, I wish, I wish. I mean, today is definitely me time because I'm doing the book club and I actually was reading a book, you know, reading those chapters. But uh, uh, it's very difficult. And I was I was I was saying to my wife, I was like, do I have ADHD because I'm in IT or maybe I discovered that I can't pay attention to anything and therefore I'm attracted to this house on fire kind of IT or or maybe I just set <laughs> fires everywhere. So I have work. But um it's, I'm not saying it's easy to do. I, I, I'm not saying this is easy to do. It's hard. It's again, it's against human nature to tell people no or not at this moment. But I mean, I mean, you you're a parent. You tell your kids no all the time, and and that's fine. These are just adult children that we have to say <laughs> no to. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Right. I mean, that's I, 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 as an employer, I swear to God, it's adult daycare. It's not really, you know, having employees. Well, yeah, I mean, I think a normal, responsible, organized human being would write a list of things to do, prioritize them and put them on their calendars and think, OK, today's the day I do X, Y and Z. Me, I look at the end of the day and go, I write down on my calendar what I already did, because that's only what I'm going to get done that day is what I just did. <laughs> 
You know, instead of giving myself a list of things to do that day, I go, well, what did I actually do? Oh, I reset a password. I discussed backups and, you know. But I have to tell you, if it's on a list and you get to, to you know, cross it off the list, that I mean, it feels good. There are times when I do exactly what you've done, right? Which is. I, I just check them at the end of the day. Here's the list of things that I did. I write it all down and then I cross my lines through it because it still brings me satisfaction at the end of the day. It, it absolutely does. I agree. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's better ways of doing things I'm learning. Thank you, JD, for this late uh, late to me uh, thing I'm learning today. It's about process, like, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> wow. There's, there's room for small changes and continuous improvement. Um... It's, it's like we're talking about being agile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, in her chapter on collecting the data, you know, it's like, she's like, she has simple questions and usually there's no answers. How long does a deploy take? What's the cost of the weekly meetings? What's the, the current, you know, performance and, and, you know, what's your, what are your current metrics? And we have no idea. <laughs> so on that, I mean, if, if you are doing your diligence and your team is doing their diligence in, in documenting your processes, you can assign times to these. So, uh, auto mechanics, for example, have a giant book of like, you know, different things that they do and how much time it's estimated or average that it should take to do that, right? We had the same thing with Apple as a service provider. This is a 15 minute job. This is a 30 minute job and it's documented step one through step whatever. Uh, and it, this, this process should only take you X amount of minutes. So if you're doing your documentation over time, I feel like you can, you can start honing the estimation of how long that's going to take you. Oh, this is a password reset. Well, yes, it's only three minutes for me to take the actual action, but there's also another 10 minutes of documentation that I need to do as part of that. So it's actually a 13 to 15 minute action for that. And and that's how I think you or how we address, you know, that like, oh my gosh, my day is just vaporized because I've been interrupted all the time of, no, actually, this is what you asked me for. This is X amount of minutes to, to get that done. And that also includes the, the, the prep work and, and the cleanup, right? Well, and Emily uh, Freeman offers us uh, um, a small uh, bit of hope. And uh, she says that you can take any metric, you can choose yeah. one and track your progress. You can establish your current baseline and collect some data. So start somewhere and you know build your internal case study. Um, and sometimes it's good, as she said, for showing off externally, maybe to show off to your client, to your customers, to your team, to your bosses. So pick how long it takes to you know deploy a new system or to deploy new apps or uh, you know uh, something that we do often, and then and try that. I know recently I've been working with a colleague, friend who wanted to work, learn Python and building monkey report modules can identify the things that we need to find and that we're finding in the hard way and then build a module to report on it in a more programmatic way and a more automatic way. And that helps uh, so that now you have one dashboard that you've made with these custom modules to, to report on these things. And I find making the time to work on that project has, has been very rewarding. And it's you know less like putting a bucket of water on a house fire than building a, a better house. Um, and those are definitely good times. And I always um, personally uh, love uh, doing things in the morning because before my customers wake up and have problems, then you have some quiet time <laughs> to do these projects sometimes. Um, so find, find that time to work on the project, give yourself a project, start building that house. Um, and 
maybe uh, find a metric that you can start measuring and uh, yeah, pat yourself on the back when you get better slowly. Yeah, I think the pick a metric is, is and choose your baseline is great advice. I, it doesn't matter. Like things will organically get better the moment you start looking at them, and because just by like focusing on it on that and putting your attention on it, they will improve, and you you will be trying to make them better. Unless you don't give a crap, but that's a different problem. <laughs> if you if you like. <laughs> One of the things that I that like, a lot of people do, and I, I I I often fall into this trap as well, is I'm always like it, it's similar to when people wait for Mondays to start a diet. Why? Like we have this concept of starting something, like waiting for something to happen or a condition to be met, so we can start measuring things. Like why don't we start measuring now? Like even knowing how many tickets we have now. And striving to, I don't know, self-contain all your requests for this week within this week. All the everything that comes in this week is and maybe the oldest ticket is is done this week. And that way you can say, well, actually I I I got that. And you get that feeling good sensation. And you're still measuring something, you're still tracking progress. And then maybe in two months' time, you're like, well. Let me have a look at how long it takes me to resolve a ticket, actually, because now that I see that I can do them all in a week, maybe maybe there's space for there's room for improvement there. And I think that, that these kind of things are like if the company fosters this kind of culture, they come out very organic. They can come out very organically. It's the first step is always the the hardest because we think we have to like I think I have to implement everything and everything has to be perfect in the beginning, which is probably the worst evil of the world, aside from the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again for joining us for the Mac DevOps podcast and this session of the DevOps for Dummies book club. All are welcome to join the discussion. Please join us on Wednesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Mac DevOps Discord. If you want to sponsor the Mac DevOps podcast, uh, just give us a shout at hello at mdoyvr.com. We'll be accepting sponsorships for the podcast and for the next year's conference. Thank you to our Mac DevOps YVR 2020 sponsors. Our sponsors for Mac DevOps YVR, the conference 2020. Mac Stadium, our platinum sponsor. Thank you so much for helping us out. Sauce Labs, our gold sponsor, Simple MDM, our silver sponsor, and Adigy, our bronze sponsor, as well as Elastic, our community sponsor. Thank you so much. Uh, we couldn't do it without you, and uh, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today for the Mac DevOps podcast. Thank you to our guests, and thank you to our co-hosts. Today's episode was edited by JD Strong. Please like and share this podcast on your favorite podcast service. You have, you're just so full of so many good ideas, JD. And I like I, that. That's what people pay me for. I don't <laughs> implement. I just, I just am here to be the idea guy.